Thank you so much for joining us on Christmas Eve. And this is my favorite time of year. I don't know if it is for you. I've heard some people say they love Christmas. And then there's other people that it's not their favorite season. We won't ask for a show of hands for folks who it's not their favorite season. I've been driving my family crazy because we have this Alexa and I've been walking around the house saying, play Christian Christmas music. And then, you know, it just starts playing. Everybody's like, come on. Um, so, but I have just been loving this season. I'll tell you why I love Christmas. I love Christmas for a few reasons. I mean, the, the main reason is that we celebrate the fact that Jesus came to this earth. And it's an amazing thing because the first time that Jesus came and what, what we're celebrating at Christmas is Jesus came right, humble and riding on a donkey. He came to live a life. He came for the purpose of saving us. In fact, Jesus says about himself, I came to seek and to save the lost. And we're excited. We are looking forward to the next time that Jesus comes. And the next time he comes, he won't be humble and riding on a donkey. He's going to come on a white horse with a warrior, with his army all with him. And so he's coming as a conquering king the next time he comes. And, and actually, it's Christmas and it's Easter that makes that a good day. Because that's a terrifying day if we don't know Jesus. If he doesn't come and accomplish what he accomplishes the first time he came, it's not a wonderful day. And so, but we look forward to it. So I love the Christmas season because actually for me, life kind of slows down a little bit. Um, I just spend time with my family. All the, the professional elements of ministry kind of get put to the side. And I actually just get to think about who is Jesus and what did he come to do and why do I appreciate him so much? Why am I so thankful? What does he mean in my life? And so I love that when there are no distractions except that. Now, we do on occasion have the distraction of our family and all the things that goes along on Christmas. Um, but man, this season, how important it is for us to really just slow down and focus. Um, actually, one of the reasons I do love Christmas too is our whole family gets together. And just based on looking around this room, it sounds like you're hanging out with your family and you're doing that because you all love each other, right? <laughs> you have to say yes, by the way. <laughs> so um, the, the scriptures that were read earlier in the service, um, that's what we've been going over the entire season, of this entire Christmas season, the entire month of December. We've been going through theologically what the Bible says about Jesus that he's God, that he's a member of the Trinity, that he came, that he took on humanity, that he died to pay the price for our sins, that, that Jesus is how God communicated to us. And what we're going to be focusing on tonight for just a short time, we're going to actually just read through the Gospel of Luke because the thing about Christianity and the things that we believe about Jesus, they're not just theological, they're not just people's ideas, they are based in historical fact. They are based in what is real. And so we're going to read this morning, or this afternoon, we're going to actually read the account of Jesus coming and taking on flesh. And so this is what it says. Um, one of the things that we see here, so if you have your Bibles or your phones, go to Luke chapter 2, and we're just going to read the first 21 verses of Luke chapter 2. And one of the things that we see is that our belief and our trust and our faith in who Jesus is and what we celebrate at Christmas 
is not just a person's idea, it is based in historical fact. So Luke chapter 2, verse 1 says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. You know, it is amazing as you read through the Bible, and this is true of the account of the life of Jesus, but not just the account of the life of Jesus. This is actually true of the entire Bible. There are constant references to cities and towns and places and people. It's not just once upon a time. It's something that happened in a place, that in, a, in a real location. It reminds me of what um, Peter says. 2 Peter 1.16, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses. And so that's what we have here. Uh, verse 2, it goes on and it says this, verse 4, And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, the thing about that that's amazing is that Joseph is in Nazareth, and he has to go all the way down to Bethlehem, and he's going to make that trip, which is, man, it's, it's 181 kilometers. Like, that's how far that is. It probably took somewhere between four and ten days. If, if you're pregnant, if, if, uh, if your wife is pregnant, do you get on a plane and go somewhere when it's close to the time you're giving birth? I mean, you don't do that, right? And here Joseph is required to move from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And in that we see God's sovereignty. He is working out all the details. Everything is happening exactly the way it is supposed to happen. And so that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. Now, when you think about all the prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the person of Jesus, there are so many things that Jesus, if he was just a man, would have had no control over. For example, his history, his line, or the city that he was born in. And so he, um, I told you it was 181 kilometers. Well, that's 112 miles. And uh, so when you think about that, that's a major thing that God did in his sovereignty. Now you look at verse 6, it says, While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. One of the things that you think about God taking on flesh. When you think about all the things that happened in the life of Jesus, he is born. And one of the amazing things is as you hear this story, he's born and he's laid in a manger. He's born in a stable with animals. And Mary is the one who wraps him in swaddling cloth. It's like her and Joseph are there on their own. Um, have any of you ever, like it's nine months and it's time to give birth, and you said, hey, let's go camping and we'll give birth in a tent. Like, nobody would do that. I, was, I remember when my kids were being born. I was so stressed out. You know, I hope everything goes okay. I hope we can get to the hospital in time. And even with the nurses there, when it came time to go home, you know, I'm like, oh, man, can you show me one more time how to do a diaper? I was so worried that I would do something wrong. And here you have 
Mary and Joseph giving birth. Now we know that that kind of thing happens um, when sometimes people are alone. We know that there are husbands who've delivered their, their, their children in a taxi. But when you think about Jesus and Mary and Joseph, Jesus was born. There were no midwives. There was no one there to help. Jesus was born um, alone with his family. An amazing thing. Look at verse um, 8 of Luke chapter 2. In the same region there were shepherds out in a field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. See, Jesus came from the nation of Israel. In Genesis 3.15, God promised that he would solve the sin problem by sending a seed. Jesus was a son of Abraham. He came to the nation of Israel. He was a son of David. He was the king. And he did come to the nation of Israel for the people of Israel. But one of the things it says here is not just Israel, for the world. God promised Abraham that he would have a seed that would bless the entire world. And that was Jesus. He came for all of us. And in verse 11 it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is our Savior. He came because we were separated from God, and he came for the purpose that he would live, that he would die, and that he would provide a way for us to be made right with God. Verse 12 says, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Jesus came to make a way for us to be right with God. Now it says in verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So when the, when the angels make this announcement and then the shepherds go and look and things are exactly as they were told. And that's because everything related to Christianity, nothing is a myth. It's not made up ideas. It's not just things that people believe and people think about. It's things that are real. And it's not that we don't believe and it's not that that element of our faith isn't a part of it. But our faith is not just based on what we think. It's based on what really happened. Um, it goes on here and it says in verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen and as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So, our faith, what the Bible says about Jesus, 
is based in historical reality. The God who created the world took on human flesh and came and lived a perfect life for you and I. And he came with a purpose. And I want you to just look at this purpose in um, John chapter 12, verse 24. This is Jesus talking about his death. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And so Jesus is talking there about his own death. He's going to die. He's going to go into the grave for three days. And then God is going to raise him from the dead. And then it says here, he talks about, you know, in a sense, Jesus died for our salvation. And part of coming into a relationship with Christ is actually recognizing that and dying to yourself and saying, Jesus, if you are God, then I am not what matters. You are what matters. Jesus, if I'm separated from God and I need your help and you're the God of this universe and you love me and you died for me, then I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you that you lived a perfect life for me. I'm not going to rely on myself and my good works. Jesus, I'm going to rely on you and I'm going to live every day for you. Look what it says here. Jesus goes on and he says, whoever loses his life, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. 2 Corinthians tells us that when we put our faith in Christ, that we get the credit before God for the perfect life that Jesus lived. The Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, God took all of our sins, the sins of the world, and put them on Jesus, and Jesus paid the price for our sin. There's not a single person that ever ends up in heaven because they're good enough. Everybody who ends up in heaven ends up in heaven because they got credit for the righteous life that Jesus lived. There's nobody who ends up in heaven because they didn't do any bad things. People end up in heaven because the guilt of their sin was placed on Jesus. And that's the amazing message of the gospel. And one of the reasons I love it is because I never worry if I'm good enough. If it depended on me to be good enough, I wouldn't make it. But I can rely on the fact that Jesus was good enough for me. And so my encouragement and my challenge for you today, when you hear the gospel message, the Apostle Paul, he preached a sermon about Jesus and talked about the resurrection. And did you know that every single person responds to Jesus? And in Acts chapter 17, there were three responses listed. One was when people heard of the resurrection, they heard of the miracles about Jesus's life, they mocked. Some people hear the gospel and they mocked. There were another group of people who, when they heard it, they thought, hmm, you know, that's interesting. I'll hear about that again. I'll think about that another time. But the best news is there was a third group 
And that was a third group of people who believed, who trusted in Jesus. And my encouragement and challenge for you, if you're here because you're a believer and you know the Lord, well, I would just encourage you this season, celebrate who Jesus is. Um, Live for Jesus throughout this holiday season. Glorify Jesus. Honor him in what you do in this holiday season. If you're here and you know that you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, you've heard about it, you're thinking about it, my challenge for you, don't let today go by without thinking about who Jesus is, without trusting him, without putting your faith in Jesus. You know, I hope that you enjoy this holiday season. And um, we need to have a correct focus in this holiday season, not a self-centered, materialistic one. You know, Christmas, if you're celebrating Jesus, Christmas is fun. If you celebrate Christmas the way the world sees it, um, it's not always fun. Like when we don't enjoy the holiday season, it's because we're not living it out the way God intended. Let's celebrate Jesus in this season. And I would just encourage you, make it spiritually significant. Make it spiritually significant. Don't miss an opportunity to be reconciled with Christ. And if you're a believer, don't, don't miss an opportunity in this season to genuinely worship Jesus. And so I just want to say thank you for joining us. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift you up and his countenance be upon you and give you peace. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for this time that we celebrate. And Lord, we think about the Christmas songs. They're playing all over the place. And and many, many people miss them. They don't hear the words. God, we pray that you would open up hearts, that you would reach into people's hearts, and that you would help everyone in this season to understand their need for you. Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, I pray that you would convict them, that you would challenge them, that you would draw them, that they would see their need for a relationship with you. And Lord, for those of us who do know you, I pray that you would help us not to be caught up in the meaningless details of the, of the season, but that we would genuinely love one another. And Lord, that we would celebrate who you are in your coming, in your name. Amen.